the sports stance. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Sports Dance. I am your host, Greg, and yeah, I hear you. I hear every single one of you saying, Greg, terrible upset watch, Jets over Patriots. You are nuts. Terrible must watch, Eagles, Cowboys. Blowouts, complete blowouts. And yeah, I get it. It looked a lot like Game 2 of the World Series, just unwatchable blowouts. I get it. I'm going to try to bounce back this week. It's not a good look. I know this. You know this. I look like I don't know what I'm talking about. Maybe I don't. No, trust me, I do. Didn't I mean, it's an upset watch for a reason, people, first of all. Who knew Sam Darnold was going to see Ghost on the field? And with the Eagles-Cowboys, I had to have faith in my team, and they well, they fumbled it away. Literally. Just fumbled, fumbled it away. But we'll talk more football in just a little bit. We're going to get into some World Series baseball because, well, folks, it is not going to plan like any, any of us thought it would. Seriously, raise your hand. Honestly, raise your hand if you had the Nationals leading this series 2-0 going back to the nation's capital. Quickly, just just a show of hands. Maybe one of you. Yeah, I, there might be that one guy who's lying right now that he thought the Nationals would be up 2-0 going back home. Now I get it. You had pitchers duels. You never know who's going to win. You're like, okay, Scherzer, Cole, that could be a 2-1 game. Nats could pull that out. Verlander, Strasburg, again, could be a really close game. Well, they, I mean, they were in game one at least, but it wasn't in game two. We're just going to get, we're going to get all into it. All right. We are going to spend some time on the World Series because I got a lot of stats for you. Things that may shock you that you may not have known. And we'll take a look at what might happen the rest of the series. Because trust me, it's not looking too good for the Stroves. That's all I can tell you. So game one, Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer. Everybody knew this was going to be sit down, watch. A lot of strikeouts. A lot of things going to be happening. You know who didn't think that? This guy. That's right. Go back. Look at the timeline. Check the records. Look at the tweet times. Look at all of it. I said before game one, my prediction was Astros are going to win it in six. That's going to be really hard right now because they have to win four straight to make that come true. But I said Garrett Cole is going to get absolutely smashed in game one. Completely destroyed. I thought this was going to be the game since May 19th, the game that he loses. He had to lose one. Terrible that I had to be in the World Series, but I just had a gut feeling that, yeah, he has been dominant since basically the beginning of the season. He hadn't lost a game since May 22nd. They hadn't lost a game he started since, I believe, July. Think about that. That is a lot of starts. That is a lot of games going your way when you're on the mound. You had to assume at least one wouldn't. Just happened to be the biggest one of your career. It happens. But he gave up five runs. He didn't look great. Juan Soto, the rest of the Nationals, 
came out, no rust. Like, if you looked at these two teams right now and said, hey, which one of these had a longer break? And by longer, multiple days. Multiple non-playing days. Who also just came off a big emotional series win that won six games? You'd probably go, hey, probably the Nationals. Because the Nationals came out hot, looked like they hadn't missed a beat. The Astros looked like they had a few days off and, well, snoozed. Like, these guys looked lethargic. They just they don't look like the Astros we're used to seeing. And you hate to see that. But the Nationals are taking the opportunity they have been given and running with it. They have won eight, count it, eight straight games at this point. They won the final two of the division series against the Dodgers. They swept the Cardinals, and now they've taken the first two. The first two against the Astros in the World Series. I believe one of the last teams to do this was the Red Sox. I know did it at some point where they were on a huge streak. So it happens. Teams get hot. Right now, the Nationals are on fire. They are scorching hot right now. Like, you shouldn't even get within a few feet because they are that hot. Plus, you're going to be even hotter once you go to Taco Bell and get your free taco. Thank you, Trey Turner. You know, we were waiting on bated breath. It seemed like it took forever to get that free taco. Because you know Taco Bell's promo is steal a base in the World Series, steal a taco, you get a free taco. And man, they really made us wait for this. Like Trey Turner didn't go on pitch one. He didn't go on pitch two. Finally, third pitch of the World Series. Thank God he stole a base and we got free tacos. Everybody rejoice. Hey, Houston fans, if anything, you get a free taco. That's a pretty good consolation prize for the fact you're probably losing Garrett Cole in the offseason and probably losing the World Series. Pretty good consolation prize. Yeah, you may have to go to the bathroom shortly after, but hey, that taco was free. So think about that. So that was game one at least. I mean, the big story clearly is Garrett Cole got really, really knocked around. And it wasn't just like early. Like he just got knocked around the whole game. He didn't look great. We He looked shaky against the Yankees in the ALCS in the one game. But did not look like the dominating force he had been since well since the beginning of the year essentially so besides that though we go to game two where it was verlander strasburg two fireball pitchers powerful pitchers strikeout guys well it did not go well for one of them and since you know the astros are down 2-0 you can kind of guess who it was he may be winning big off the field with mary and kate upton But Justin Verlander, when it comes to the World Series and him pitching, not so great on the field. Since 2006, a minimum of five World Series starts, which he has now. So put that in perspective. He has been in a lot of World Series. He's there with the Tigers. He's now there with the Astros. He's made a minimum of five starts. He has the fourth highest ERA in World Series starts with a 5.73. That is right. Justin Verlander, the man who is an ace all season long, 
has dominated. He dominates in the division series. He dominates in the ALCS. He's pretty good in both. It comes to the World Series. He turns into David Price and Clayton Kershaw. He cannot pitch to save his life in the biggest stage of them all. Think about that. He has a 5.73 ERA. Five starts. He has never, ever made it past six innings pitched. Like, he might get six innings plus, which means he made it into the sixth inning, but he's never gotten six and a third. Six and two-thirds. Like, he's, it's, it's math, people. It's adding it up. He's never made it past six full innings. All right? That's pretty bad. For a guy with three no-hitters, multiple Cy Young awards, to never make it past the sixth inning... Not great. Like, you expect him at least to have one dominant start in the World Series. Now, I, I get it. You're facing the best of the best from the other league. Technically, yes. Not always. Like, you can look at teams and kind of go, yeah, they got like two or three good guys that really helped them get here, but come on. All you have to do is get those guys out and cruise through the rest of the lineup. Well, Verlander can't do that. He just hasn't been able to. Which is shocking. Like, very shocking that out of all pitchers, Justin Verlander is the guy that struggles. He has been Mr. Consistent through most of his career. Like, you usually can count on him getting a few good starts here and there. Now, granted, he wasn't terrible last night. He went six innings. He gave up four runs before the whole offensive explosion in that seventh inning, which he was a part of technically. He got the guy on first, and then it just went downhill from there. But, I mean, come on. You're going to pitch like you do all season long and then crack when it's on that big stage in front of your home crowd? Doesn't give me much confidence for the Astros going into game three with Granke, who I am not going to lie, I kind of figured they might have Granke swap with Verlander let Verlander pitch on the road and Greinke pitch at home, partly for comfort. I feel like Zach Greinke on the road these playoffs has not been that good. I think the pressure gets to him more because when you're home, like usual, your fans are going to be nice to you. When you're away, the fans, especially with New York, were ruthless. Like guys got thrown out of the game for mocking Zach Greinke. So fans can be ruthless. And we know about Gronke's anxiety issues. So you would have thought maybe he would have been calmer, more level-headed, pitching in Houston in front of a home crowd. So it shocked me a little bit. I get you want to put your top guys out there. Gronke's still a top guy. He's still a number one on 28 out of like the 30 baseball teams. Like, you tell me a team he's not the number one on besides Houston, the Nationals, Dodgers, I guess, because you have Kershaw, regular season Kershaw. But he's the number one on a lot of teams. Not just a few, a lot. And he has a proven track record. But right now, I get it, you don't want him to be your first two guys out, but he may have been better served pitching in Houston. Just a thought, just a little, a little shocked by it.
I get it, though. But you're going to have him, Anibal Sanchez, playing in the first World Series game in the nation's capital since 1933. So these fans have been waiting a long time. A very long time. So they are going to be hyped up. They are going to be into it. Don't forget the fact that they are doing all this without Bryce Harper, and they are letting people know it. So these fans are going to be riled up and ready to go Friday night. Well, tonight, I should say. So that's going to be a tough atmosphere for him to go into and really just dominate, which he can. I hope he does. I want this to be a competitive World Series. But it still will be interesting to see what happens. And to put it in perspective, right now at least, with a 2-3-2 format, there have been 25 teams who have had home field advantage that have gone down 2-0 in a World Series. How many do you think have come back from that deficit? I'll give you a hint. Not many. Not many at all. It has been three out of those 25 that have ever come back from going down to home with home field advantage to win the World Series. The last time it happened, the 96 New York Yankees. So it's been a while. I mean, I guess it's I guess we're due. I guess it's time maybe for it to happen. I don't see it happening right now, but you never know. It could. It'd be great. It'd be a great story, but you'd feel terrible for the Nationals and their fans. So as much as I want to see the Astros win, as much as I thought they were going to win, I especially, I really thought they were going to make a run last night after Bregman's two-run shot to tie it back up. I thought that was going to be the spark they needed. Nope. But at this point, it's hard to see the Nationals losing with Scherzer and Strasburg at least each making another start. Granted, against it would have to be against Garrett Cole and Verlander. So again, could go 50-50. But I just have a hard time seeing with how hot this team is, with how good Soto looks, with how good Trey Turner is on the base paths, how Kendrick, Rendon, like the way they are playing. They're not missing anything right now. They are as hot a team as you can find right now. Granted, there's only two left. But you get my point. They are just... They look unbeatable right now, is the best way to put it. And one last note, at least for World Series talk right now, because next week I'll be talking about champions, whoever wins. So I guess congrats to the... We're going to say the Nationals. We'll go with the Nationals for now. I mean, it will be cool if I have to retract this. I still have it as the Astros winning. But at this point, I got to give congrats to the Nationals, I guess. We'll say congrats, Houston, too. Like, just plug and play this next week. Whoever wins. Congrats. Fill in the blank. One last thing to say about this, though. Kind of a cool moment. Game one. The first home run. The first run the Nationals scored in a World Series game was Ryan Zimmerman. Hitting a home run. First draft pick by the Nationals. All that really cool stuff. So he was the first pick ever for the organization when they became the Nationals. He now becomes the first home run by the Nationals in a World Series. Just a very cool kind of thing to think of. Little history thing that definitely will be like a trivia fact 15, 20 years from now. 
So kind of cool to think about. But after the blowout last night, it kind of leads us into a perfect segue into Paul's Pylon. That is right. Paul's Pylon will be coming up. Don't forget, it is brought to you by Best Bud CBD. If you have a bit of anxiety, if you and your pet just need to relax, go check out Best Bud CBD. And when you do, make sure you go to www.bestbudcbd.com slash hashtag 12 ounce sports. All right. So again, that is www.bestbudcbd.com slash hashtag 12 ounce sports for your CBD needs for both you and your pet to just relax. Take the edge off of life. All right. Here's Paul's pylon, though. Check it out. Paul's pylon. That is right. It's another week of Paul's pylon. And this week, he's bringing us some sweet facts about some big blows. Or should I say, blowouts. Am I right, Paul? That's it, Greg. We got some shutout news. Shutouts, and I believe, I mean, technically, it'd be really hard in the NBA to have a shutout, am I right? Yeah, so we'll talk about an annihilation. Oh, didn't NBA. even go with a blowout, just went with straight up annihilation. So, yeah, some larger shutouts in, in, the, in the, four, the four major sports, and, and I guess, do you want to jump right in? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so let's NHL. blown away. Blown away. The largest shutout point gap in the NHL. What do you Here, think? Guess for all these. All right. Um, That's a thing. Eight, eight nothing. You guess. Eight to nothing. No, it would be fifteen to nothing when um, the Detroit Red Wings blanked the New York Rangers. It was way back on January twenty third, nineteen forty four. I was going to say, I was wondering how far back this went because whoever was in goal for that game, I'm assumed, would be cut shortly. But that's like beginning of, I'm guessing, the Rangers era in hockey. So when you think about it, 1944, black and white television, you couldn't even tell when they scored a goal back then. You can't tell when they scored a goal now. You You kidding me? Good thing they have lights and sirens when they score a goal. Seriously, remember for a while they also used to have the puck light up the whole time, like they had that tracker on it? That was annoying. It was annoying, but at the same time you were actually like, hey, I know where the puck is. <laughs> well, now you have a 65-foot wide TV in your house, and the puck's the size of a plate, so That's hopefully true. you can see it. You know who I don't envy? Who? Oh. I, would, I would be a broadcaster for any sport. I would do tennis, I'd do baseball, basketball, football. Cricket, I would do any broadcasting except hockey. Yeah, because you really, I think you can say almost anything because nobody knows where the puck is. And you know what I don't like? They've gone away from showing the good stuff, right? The fight's going on in the corner. <laughs> what say, what they're that showing you a fan kissing and getting engaged. That's not what hockey's about. No, but they have also tried to temper down the fighting. Yeah. But you essentially have to be an auctioneer to be a hockey broadcaster for how much <laughs> Because, like, plus, you have to have a really good understanding of both the English language and every other country's language because these guys' last names, some of them, very hard to say. And you have to say them fast. Yeah, and they don't have vowels. Yeah. Like Patrick Patrick Waugh's last name is R-O-Y. I'm sorry, your last name is Roy. It's not (laughs) Waugh. 
It's like Brett Favre. Favre? As many of people I know, yeah, say Favre because it drives him nuts. That one I argue slightly because it's at least five letters. But when your last name is R-O-Y, you're Roy, you're not Wa. <laughs> well, you can be Roy as far as we're concerned. Yeah. Oh, that Roy goaltender was really good. And everybody will just stare at you blankly and I'll be like, let's talk that hockey. Want to move on to Major League Baseball? <laughs> sure. Oh, uh, yeah. You, you you stick right down to it. You you let me get my jokes in, and then you're just like, okay. All I'm right, going so we're going to go to ancient history. Don't even let me finish. We're going to go way back to 1883 when the Providence Grays defeated the Philadelphia Quakers. Oh, so you're going back to, like, literally beginning dead ball baseball. Yep. 28 to nothing. You know, I'm surprised it actually hasn't been beat. Well, it hasn't, but if we fast forward to 2004, we had a 22 to nothing when the Indians beat the Yankees. And that's a good day, right? When anybody yeah, it's a good day for everybody. <laughs> um, August 31st, 2004. That's got to be a killer game. That's That's got to be 22 to nothing, and you go out on the field, and it's like, why are we doing this? Well, I know there's one there's one baseball game. I'm going to see if I think, can think about it. I remember the Rangers against the Baltimore Orioles. It wasn't a shutout, but it was a huge, huge run differential. I'm going to try to think about it. 30 to 3. That's what it was. 30 to 3. Amazing. Yes. Like, what imagine putting up 30 runs in one game. <laughs> it would be like 33 to nothing. It's like those little pinball-like machines. Th- Things where it's like literally the whole time that the guys are just moving around, like the automatic things where you hit the ball and every time you hit the button, something just moves. It's just that the guys just kept going. That would that that, you'd want to leave that game. They averaged three runs an inning, slightly more. All right. How about NFL? You were you, sir, just moving right along. I am. I'm skipping right through this because we have some sweet stuff to get to. Oh, okay. That's. Well, I should have known. You don't want to talk about the sports as much. You want to talk about the food. Well, absolutely. We might have to start our own separate podcast where it's just Paul's delightful treats or something like that, and you just talk about food the entire time. Hey, some criticism about a 33 to nothing game, and you leave the quarterback in, and. Finally, you take him out with a play or two to go. By the way, thank you for acknowledging that great podcast idea. You just glazed over that. <laughs> See what I did there? Food reference. Do you listen to me when I make food references? I, do, I, I, I literally you gave you a podcast. You I gave you a podcast idea, and you just go, now imagine it's 33 to nothing. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to get in the jab. Anyway, so it's, oh, it's an 73 game. to nothing. That 73. 73 to 33. nothing. In ni- no, the 33-0 was this weekend's football game, Monday night football game, that I was just trying to throw out there, you know, because uh, you know how to do that. Okay. All right. 73 to nothing, 1940 in a championship game, the Chicago Bears beat the Redskins by 73 to nothing. What year was this? In 1940. How bad was the rest of the side the Redskins came from? <laughs> how do you get 73 points in a game or did they murder the team and like (laughs) fans had to stand on the field and just hope for the best um this is that's that's pretty bad that's 
that's running up the score. 33 to nothing, I'm okay with. 73 yeah. to nothing, I'm probably okay with that as long as it's against the Jets. <laughs> Can't even consider the Jets a rivalry. I mean, honestly. All right, we're going to move to the NBA, and of course there's not going to be a shutout. No. Because that would be news, right? That would be huge news. I mean, that would be the greatest accomplishment ever by one team. So it didn't go back that far, but the Cavaliers and the Miami Heat, December 17th, 1991, a 68-point difference. It's essentially like setting them out. (laughs) 148 to 80. That's nuts. And that was when defense was technically played, and the guys were hard, and they played tough, and they played hard-nosed, and you could throw an elbow here and there. Baskets. Yeah, well, you could throw an elbow here and there and give a groin shot, and nobody would care. Bad boys. That was the Pistons, but still, it was in that time era. All right, ready? Yep, yeah, this yeah. because you Wait. clearly don't want to talk sports anymore. You want Wait. to get right to food. Well, it's Halloween coming up, right? Was that a drum roll, by the way? Yes, I have a fan base over here. Um, we're going to talk about two things. Sweet. The 10 worst Halloween candies and the 10 best, as voted on a Forbes survey, Forbes.com survey. Please just make me guess, like, the top two. I'm only going to go to the top three. Okay. <laughs> Actually, how about the worst one? The worst voted candy on Forbes.com. Worst voted candy? Is it still like a known candy at least? It's, yeah, it's a known candy. Think Halloween. Um, milk duds. You know something? Re- come back to milk duds. Candy corn. Yeah, actually, you know what? Now that you say it, that makes sense. People people love, but they love to also hate candy corn. So candy corn, for all those in the listening audience spanning the globe... Candy corn, equal candy corn to salted peanuts. Mixture. Great holiday snack. Try it. Sounds disgusting. Very good. You'll all enjoy it. I mean, I can I can back you on that. I've had it myself. It's pretty good. But it, you have to have you can't have it in large quantities. That literally has to be like a tiny cup worth. Well, if you, you can have it in large quantities. Candy corn goes out the same way it goes in. So you don't eat a lot of it. Oh God. Sorry. <laughs> this is i try to keep this family friendly so That's, took it way dirty <laughs> so i have to i have to full disclaimer on this survey one of the 10 worst is a candy they haven't made in years so these people must have really hated it because they're still thinking about it necco wafers and by the way they don't I make love them necco wafers yeah, yeah necco wafers um oh and plenty paul if it's candy, you love it. <laughs> That's true. There's I'm not really any candy 10. I've ever seen you not like. <laughs> I'm looking at the bottom ten. I like every one of them. And then you're looking at the top ten. You're like, I like these even more. All right. So, top three. You know what the number one is. You have to know. Reese's. Reese's cups. And it is pretty much um, in every state in the United States. Worldwide, though, number one candy? I'm I'm not sure. Snickers bars. Really? Yes. People, I guess a lot of people are, you know, hungry and, or sorry, hangry. Hangry, they they eat it and turn into Marilyn Monroe or somebody, I don't know. They're acting like Elton John, eat one of those and not, which, by the way, if you're acting like Elton John, 
I feel like that'd be delightful. Oh, delectable. <laughs> what, hold on. What is the what is the difference of Elton John being delightful and delect? Wait, hold on. Are you telling me you'd like to eat Elton John up? No, but there's a song. It's delightful. It's delectable. Oh, I can't sing. I'm sorry. That's this is a talk show. <laughs> All right. Two more facts. Save your crocodile Number one, rock. Andy's in Houston, Texas. Wait, say that again? One Halloween candy in Houston, in, Texas. In Houston, Texas. So this is in honor of the World Series with the Astros. Yep. Um, oh, milk I remember. Tubs. Milk. Oh, really? You yep. didn't give me a chance. I was going to go um, like, down a little story lane to take my guess, but guess I not. I told you we'd go back to milk duds and you kind of let it go. So oh. I had to help you out. I wasn't, I wasn't that confused. I was trying to think if I could <laughs> think of it. So all of Texas, Reese's Cups. And, of course, Washington, D.C. doesn't count, so we're going to go to wow. Maryland. Wow. Well, I, you know, the, there the, are stadium, people that live there, the stadium's in Maryland, so we're going to go to Maryland. Also, people Reese's Cups. families. What? People have families there. You're telling me those families don't exist? DC? Yeah. They do. And it's not just all political people, all right? And that's why Hallmark invented the sympathy card. <laughs> all right. What? Because they have family in Washington, D.C. What does that mean? I don't hate. <laughs> I am very confused right now, and I am assuming listeners are too. I said there are families in Washington, D.C. that you're saying don't exist, and you respond with, that's why Hallmark invented sympathy cards? Yeah, because people live in, so we can send them. We're sorry you live in Washington, D.C. No offense. There are way worse places in our country to live than Washington, D.C. Okay. It's not a state. It's nowhere. But it's everywhere. It is. All right. We're going to close this out with a couple of Halloween facts. Okay. Razor blades? No, not that. That's awful. Those are terrible things. We're <laughs> going to talk about 172 million Americans this year will celebrate Halloween. So half the country? Is that about what it is? About half. 25% of all Halloween purchases are made online. E-commerce is very important these days. Yeah, well, I mean, costumes and everything, that's where I got my kid's costume. He's that's a monkey, it. by the way. What if it didn't fit? Would you return no. it? Yeah, just send it back. Wear it next year. Or, well, unless it was too small. 95% of the people that are going to celebrate Halloween buy... Candy. Absolutely. And the average purchase... <laughs> like this was a trick question in the making. The average household purchase on Halloween candy is 25 bucks. I thought it would be more. Halloween candy is pretty cheap. You can get like 100-piece bags for like 8 bucks. That's true. So, and you know that you 50 get three bags. That's 50% of parents that are buying that Halloween candy buy extra and stash it away to eat during the year. Yeah. Some of us just buy Halloween candy not to even give out, just to have. I wouldn't know that. I'm not I'm not a sweets kind of guy. No. Tell that to the cotton candy that disappeared from my house after my kid's birthday party. Most <laughs> Yeah, you you gloss over that, sir. You gloss over that. Yeah, I I'm guilty as charged. Yeah. Most Halloween shopping is done the first two weeks of October. So you know you walk in the store and you say, Oh my god, what's all this Halloween doing? You got to beat them to the punch. Got to get it out in front of them because that's you, when they're buying it. You know why, right? Because by the second week of October, 
Christmas stuff is everywhere, and Halloween stuff's already gone. Well, it's it's going. It, the other piece of it is, fifty percent of Halloween sells on the day of Halloween. Well, it's because so, everything gets knocked down, right? Yeah, yeah. People are in there cleaning it out, filling up their cupboards. I mean, and you want you're going you to want to trick or treat in Oregon. Do they give out the candy bars? Yep, they give out full-size candy bars. How did you know that? Because every single kid knows you find where they're giving out the big candy bars, and you redress up and go like seven times. It's like layers of costumes. You pull off your ghost, you pull off your Frankenstein, you pull off your witch. Exactly. And you got four Hershey bars. Yeah. What a bargain. Yeah, full-size candy bars. You, every kid knows in their town what street, what houses have the full-size candy bars, and which ones give out toothbrushes instead. Toothbrushes and popcorn balls. And like pennies. Like, here you go. Here's a penny. Here's a penny. Good. I'm going to scratch your car on the way out the driveway. Don't try that at home. <laughs> For all you under... Hoodlums. All you teens listening. All you whippersnappers. Oh, God. Some people are Googling right now what whippersnapper means. Like, did he just call me a bad name? Really? I'm showing my age again? That's two weeks in a row. I mean, you are pushing the big 6-0. Now, that is just hurtful. If I had feelings, they'd be hurt. No, I, I know you have feelings, sir. By the way, all that information was brought to you by Skittles. <laughs> <laughs> Taste the rainbow. Skittles is in the top ten. Yeah, I, make, I I would assume so. So wait, hold on. What were the top three? Reese's, Snickers, what was third? Twix. Oh, I don't think you said that. Um, and Kit Kats, M&M's, Nerds. Really? People love Nerds. Both the candy and the per- people type. Yeah. You know what the number one candy in Massachusetts is? Butterfingers. I was going to say Boston beans. <laughs> <laughs> That's disgusting. They're yeah. gross. <laughs> they are gross. Sour Patch Skittles and Hershey bars. Wait, Sour Patch Skittles, not Sour Patch Kids? No, Sour Patch Kids, comma, Skittles. Oh, okay. And comma, comma, and Hershey bars. So all good ones. There's no bad candy in the top ten. There's no, according to you, there's no bad candy in the bottom ten either. I got to read you the, real quick. Okay, go through it. Bit of honey, love it. What is it? Bit of honey. That little square thing looks like a Mary Jane. Not your kind of Mary Jane. Again, showing your age. No idea. Either way you just described that. Both. A bit of honey is a toffee-based honey. Okay, toffee candy. Next. Good and plenty. Okay, I've heard of that. Licorice. Who gives out licorice for Halloween? I guess the little red ones. Yeah, Twizzlers. Smarties. Who doesn't love a good Smartie? I mean, a lot of people, because it's just, it's boring. Yeah. It's a simple candy, but it's boring. 90% of kids want chocolate. Just saying. Yeah. Tootsie Rolls. It's a popular song, not a popular candy. There are two states, and um, New Jersey is one of them, where Tootsie Roll Pops are the number one candy. I find that hard to believe. I mean, I like a Tootsie Roll Pop. I don't like a Tootsie Roll. I don't mind a Tootsie Roll, but I don't like the flavored ones. Well, it's not. Fl- I mean, it's a lollipop, and then there's a Tootsie Center. Do you know how many licks it takes to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll pop? I feel like this took a weird sexual turn, so I'm going to go with, based on age, 43. 
If you Google it, it's three. Everybody should Google it. Look yeah, for but the how you get to three is you should be able to have metal owl teeth. Says one, two, um, and then you have the big crunch, and it's three because you can't wait to get to the Tootsie Roll Center. Paul, I believe it's more one, two, three. I believe okay. it's with the accent there. Yep. How about wax Coke bottles? They still little, make those? That's disgusting, isn't I it? I remember that from like, when I was a kid. That's one I would tell you you couldn't give to me. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't, you'd still take it. Mary Jane Taffy, and that's for those people that are going to the cannabis stores. That's not what it is. Okay. It's a molasses-based taffy. Circus peanuts. I thought you liked circus peanuts. For Halloween, they come in a bag. I guess maybe they're somewhere. They're individually wrapped. I guess. And, of course, candy corn. I don't believe the candy corn thing. I think more people like candy corn. That's Again, like, they like to hate it. It's a guilty pleasure. People it's like a, They get it. People buy it. They eat a bag, and then they're like, I don't want any more. I don't. This is disgusting. That's why they make it all once a year, and then they sell it. When it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. Sometimes there are candy corn shortages. Bad, oh, darn. Bad harvest. <laughs> On that note, I think it's time to wrap things up. Always wrap up your, check your Halloween candy, make sure it's wrapped, and don't eat it before your parents look at it and steal some from themselves. Unless you're a teenager, then you're just going to know all the tricks and take it for yourself. I guess so. Yeah. I do not like when somebody comes to my door with a beard and says trick or treat. Some people hit puberty early, Paul. Do not take it out on that 11-year-old kid. Unless who had it's gross Rubbed on their face for fake, but when when you know when you can drive up to my driveway and walk up the front walk, maybe he stole the car. Somewhere else. Maybe he's joyriding. Everything that you you don't know the situations. I do not. Don't judge a Halloween costume by its cover. And you know me, I'm looking forward to next week, next Thursday night. Um, we, you know we're rolling into the weekend here, and this coming weekend, uh, Halloween. Thursday night, and you know I love to give out candy, and I'll be standing there with a basket in my hand for every one of those lovely little children that knock on my door. No, you won't. It's going to be your birthday. You're going to be drinking and celebrating, and your house is going to be dark. No, I would never have a dark house on Halloween. Yeah, nice wink. Just because it's radio doesn't mean I'm going to call you out. <clears throat> all right. That's all I have. Some sweet right. treats, some blowout facts. And that's it, and it's back to you. All right, sounds good. Thanks as always, Paul. Thank you, Greg. We'll uh, look forward to next Friday afternoon. All right, sounds good. Thanks. Paul's Pylon. Great as always. Thank you, Paul. Now let's get into some NFL football. Now, last week, I'm not going to lie. My must-watch was terrible. My episode watch was terrible. My lock-it-in was terrible. So we're going to do better this week. At least I hope so. Because I know, I can tell, none of you have any faith in me. And it's rightfully deserved to not have any sort of faith in my picks. So we're going to change that this week. Just a quick recap of how bad I was last week. I said the Lions were going to win outright. They did not. I said the Eagles and Cowboys were a must-watch game. They were must-watch 
up until the kickoff. It was bad. There's going to be no really skip this week because Skip Bayless had the week to gloat, and he did. Couldn't say much. Couldn't get annoyed at it. As an Eagles fan, he had every right to throw it in our faces just how bad it was. Sorry, I needed a second there. Oh. Then my upset watch, I said the Jets were going to be the Patriots. I'm clearly an idiot. I mean, Sam Darnold saw a ghost. It's not even Halloween, and he saw spirits on the field. So, not a great look for any of my picks. This week, though, that's going to change. Starting with my must-watch game of the week. Yeah, it involves the Patriots again. But you know what? It's not an upset. It's not my lock-it-in. But it's the Browns versus the Patriots. And honestly, it should be a good game. It should be a good game. That's the key word there. Should. The Browns are coming off a bye week. They've had two weeks to prepare for the New England Patriots. Who've just acquired Mohamed Sanu for a second round pick. Just put Josh Gordon on IR because, well, who knows. But his time in New England is done. And they just traded Michael Bennett away to the Dallas Cowboys for scraps. Now, I get it. Bennett was complaining about playing time. Their defense is playing phenomenal. You're going to get a guy out of there that might disrupt everything. But it's the NFL. Injuries happen. Having a guy like Michael Bennett in your rotation on your team, even if he complains a little bit. I don't know if I trade him away for a sixth or seventh round. He goes to Dallas, though. Quinn is hurt, so he should get some playing time there. At least defensive end-wise, the Cowboys have a very good defensive line now with Quinn, Lawrence, and Bennett in that rotation. But anyway, back to my must-watch. I'm saying it's the Browns-Patriots. One, the Browns came into the season with high, high, high hopes. We all know this. They haven't lived up so far, but they have a very talented offense. This will be the first offense to go against the Patriots defense that could actually do something. Now, full credit to the Patriots defense. They have been lights out. But you do have to think about the fact that they have not really faced any team yet that you could say is a offensive juggernaut of any sort. The only team they faced that should have been, if anything, hard to deal with was the Steelers. And, well, we know how their season's going. But besides that, he had to face the Dolphins. They had to face the Jets with a third-string quarterback. The Bills' Josh Allen is not a lighted-up quarterback. The lowly Redskins. The Giants and Danny Dimes. And then the Jets again, where we all know what happened. So it's not like a... Oh my god, they've taken down Rodgers, they've taken down Dak. Like, they haven't... Yeah, I even said Dak. They haven't done any of that. But it should be a must-watch game. The only thing, the only thing I have to say is Jarvis Landry basically, I think, guaranteed a win for the Browns. Worst thing you could do, Jarvis. Worst thing you could do. Just saying. Worst thing. There's a lot of bad things. Guaranteeing a win against the Patriots and Bill Belichick, who is now going to make it his sole mission... To make sure you don't get one catch. Not one. Not an even little bit. Sniff of a catch. Made it that much tougher for you. But that's my must watch. My upset watch of the week. Not a lot of games to choose from. But I'm going to go with 
the Panthers over the 49ers. That is right. The Panthers are the first team to beat the 49ers this year. Give them a 6-1 record. That would put the Panthers at 5 and... Not 5 and 6. That would put the Panthers at 4... No, 5 and 2. Sorry. Forgot to count the win. And yes, it might not seem like an upset watch, but San Francisco is home. They are 6-0. Panthers are technically playing with a backup. A backup who has played very well in Kyle Allen. And Christian McCaffrey, who is just all places and every place all at once. Like it, He's like those, how do you be at two places at once? Well, ask Christian McCaffrey because he seems to do it. So that's my upset watch. And then finally, my lock it in of the week. The pick I feel pretty strongly about that it is a safe bet. Rams are favored by 13 against the Bengals. Lock that in. Sean McVay has turned over a new page. The Rams have refound their groove. Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and Brandon Cook are going to have a field day. And even Jared Goff is going to look like a legitimate NFL quarterback who is getting paid the most money out of any NFL quarterback for just a day. But they've had their struggles. I think they're turning it around. And the Bengals are a perfect, sadly perfect, team to take advantage of. So they definitely win by at least two touchdowns, is my guess. So that's my lock it in. So to go over it one more time, Browns Patriots, must watch. Upset watch, Panthers over 49ers, and then lock it in. The Rams as a 13-point favorite, going to cover that spread over the Cincinnati Bengals. So those are my picks. Now let's get into some in general NFL talk. We had Thursday night football last night. Vikings-Redskins, the revenge game for Kirk Cousins. Yeah, it wasn't that much of a revenge. 19-9. Not the type of exciting game that you expected. Not the big-time numbers you expected from Kirk Cousins. He passed for 285 yards. He was very efficient passing. He was 23 of 26. No touchdowns. No interceptions. Very boring game. The most exciting thing about the game was the fact Adrian Peterson... Moved up to number six all time on the active, not the active, on the all time rushing yards list. He moved up. He passed Curtis Martin. The Minnesota fans, no better place for him to do it though. Minnesota fans, after he passed at the end of the game, they put up a whole thing about him passing, going to number six, standing ovation. It was very nice to the fans. As if you don't know, for some reason, that's where Adrian Peterson got a start, spent the majority of his career. So it was a nice little moment. Nice moment for him and the fans to have together. Besides that, news in the NFL, not tons. I mean, you got trades going on right now. As I said, Muhammad Sanu got traded to the Patriots. The one thing I have about this, the one thing, this isn't me harping on the Patriots. This is just a fact. Muhammad Sanu is not worth a second-round draft pick. I don't care how bad. Your wide receiving core is how bad you need a wide receiver. Muhammad Sanu is a fourth round pick at best. Fourth round. Like, that's where it should be. He was the third wide receiver option on the Falcons. He should not be a second round pick. Granted, maybe he's not coming in to play wide receiver. He could be coming in to be Tom Brady's backup, which then that changes everything. Because he does have a perfect passer rating. Whether you know this or not about Mohamed Sanu, he has had multiple passes in the NFL. Deep passes 
And he's completed, I think, every single one. So he is a deep ball threat, both as a wide receiver and a quarterback. I even put out a poll. Overwhelmingly, everybody said he's a better quarterback than Julian Edelman. So expect Julian Edelman to be replaced on those wide receiver end around trick pass plays that the Patriots always seem to pull out at the exact perfect moment. Besides that, as I said, Bennett also was traded from the Patriots. We already went over that. Other trades, digs from the Lions, the safety was traded. People were shocked by that. I mean, I don't have much to say about it. Guys are going to get traded. The offer's right. If your team feels like they can expend you, they're going to. It's a business. Besides that, the Falcons are in a landslide. People think Robert, not Robert Quinn. Robert Quinn is not the name I was thinking of. Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn's the name I was trying to think of. Patriots goes definitely on the hot seat, but Julio Jones says, don't put it on him. Put it on us as the players. It's us doing this. So I guess good for Julio Jones. He clearly likes Dan Quinn as a coach, and he knows. Coaches can only do so much. Players have to execute the game plan on the field, and if they don't, well, you end up like the Falcons. But besides that, that's really it going on in the NFL right now. No major news. Antonio Brown has stayed pretty quiet outside of his random inspirational quotes on Twitter. So we're going to take a quick break because, well, when there's not that much else to talk about for Thursday Night Football, because it was a snooze fest, there was no World Series game last night. We're going to take a break. We're going to get back to some NBA. That is right. NBA basketball is back. We're going to get into it right after this break from Seat Giant. Where should you go to get all your sports, concert, and any other type of ticket need? Seat Giant. That's right. You heard me. Seat Giant. That's where you're going to go to get all your sporting events and concert tickets. Because guess what? When you go there, you know you're getting the best deals. And when you use 12-ounce sports promo code, you get an even better deal. Again, use 12 on sports for the promo code and, you know, be on your way to having a fun family day. That is right. Again, make sure to check out Seat Giant, especially now that the NBA is back. Another great place to get tickets at a great price to go see an NBA game. So, like I said, NBA is back. It kicked off Tuesday night with two games that weren't too bad. They weren't great, but they weren't bad. I mean, you had an overtime game in Toronto. They got their rings They had their celebration. We were supposed to see Zion make his rookie appearance, and we will not, at least for probably two months. So that was disappointing. But hey, good for the Raptors. They showed they can actually win a game without Kawhi Leonard. Next game. Sorry, Raptors. Sorry, Pelicans fans. That's it. That's all you get. I will say, Pelicans, you did look pretty good. Maybe, maybe that eight seed is a possibility in the West. Probably not, but maybe. Second game of the night, though, was the game. The NBA game. The game that should have somehow been pushed up to like 9 o'clock. So majority of people could watch it. Clippers-Lakers. Now, I got to say, it was a weird game. Weird setup. So obviously, when the Clippers-Lakers play, you have a lot of mixed fans in there. Kawhi Leonard, though, gave a speech before the game kicked off and was met with a roaring, roaring sound of boos raining down upon him at a so-called Clippers home game 
because, well, he didn't sign with the Lakers, and Lakers fans who were there let him know that they were not happy about that decision. Other decision that we should all be kind of perplexed by and slightly annoyed by, the Clippers' new court. Like, come on. You had a good thing going with the blue and the red and the white logo, the light brightness. It made the arena feel light and homey. Instead, now they have this dark black border that I don't know if you thought this, but the whole time it was such a dull, like, ugh, vibe going on. I'm not an interior designer, nor do I claim to have any sort of taste when it comes to designing a home. Trust me. All I think you need is a couch, a TV, and a working fridge, like, and a microwave. But apparently that's not good enough when you have a kid, I've been told by my wife. So, I really don't know, but all I do know is that court was not that appealing to the eye. If you thought it was good for you, I mean, I get it, it was supposed to be a cool concept. Everybody loves when things are, you know, turned into that cool, like, night mode black, jerseys black, all those different things. The darker the color, the darker the look, it's supposed to be cooler and give off this like chill, cool vibe. Well, it didn't give that to me. I didn't like it. It it really actually just looked bad. Like it made the arena feel like dark and didn't make it seem like it was actually that filled with people. It's a weird thing to say. Like it felt just dark in the arena because of it. But it didn't matter. Clippers won. Everybody's now saying LeBron's over the hill. He can't do it anymore because, you know, he only scored 18 points, led his team in rebounds and assists. But again, the 18 points, somehow everybody's harping on. Whatever. LeBron's still going to average 25, probably 8-8. Eight and eight. He's still one of the best players. He's still the guy you have to beat. More so likely this year than last year, since obviously he didn't make the playoffs. But he's one of the guys you're going to have to get through if you want to ring. Like, he's the final boss. So, I mean, you can't count him out. It's one game. Lakers are still trying to figure themselves out. Like, once they do that, once they get Kuzma back, I know Clippers still need Paul George back. They're probably going to be the two teams that meet in the Western Conference Final. And for everybody else, it'll be cool, and it'll be cool for them. They don't have to travel anywhere. So whoever gets them in the NBA Finals, tough. They got tons of rest. Anyway... Besides that game, besides Tuesday night, Wednesday night you had a bunch of games. Only thing that kind of stunk was Jimmy Butler did not make his Heat debut for personal issues. Eric Spolstra said, hey, don't worry about it. It's a thing. Like, he was at warmest this morning. It's it's okay. Everything's fine. But he just won't be playing tonight. Okay. Gotta wait. Besides that, the other big thing, not big thing, we'll get to the last big bombshell that dropped yesterday. Rockets had their Brody and Beard debut. People let me tell you about my best friend type thing. Spoiled by Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Bucks. Let me tell you though, it did not look all happy-go-lucky. There was definitely some back and forth between the Beard and Brody. If you didn't see it, go check it out. Looks like they really like each other at times. Obviously, they'll be fine. They'll work it out. They'll figure it out. They haven't played with each other in a while. They haven't played since James Harden has become James Harden. So it'll be an interesting thing to see how that develops. But the big NBA news that came out over the past 24 hours was DeAndre Ayton got a 25-game ban for substance abuse. 
the players union will be going against it saying nope not true this didn't happen like he didn't take something he's not supposed to so we'll see because the suns aren't a great team they're a young and up and coming team that still has a few more years until they're up and coming but Aiton was the number one pick you don't want to see a guy this young this talented be doing things like this where it threatens his career threatens his livelihood he sh- should he be taking drugs obviously not so we'll see what the situation is but for right now the Suns will be without their star center for the foreseeable future like quarter of a season a third of the season essentially so we'll see about that besides that you have Bagley for the Kings out four to six weeks with a thumb injury and then the last big thing was Steve Kerr decided to say that Clay Thompson may not play this year by the time he's projected to come back the season might be over well that made everybody freak out so we had to retract and say well he's coming back from an ACL guys what do you expect what do you think's going to happen we're not going to rush him back so smart by him to clarify dumb by everybody else for just overreacting but that's what we do we all overreact and it's fun but it's not but it is but nobody really likes it but that's it for NBA you know it's the first week things are still young things are still new we're not going to criticize anybody too bad at least those people that think LeBron's over the hill will criticize you a little bit because you clearly don't understand basketball and how it's only one game and 18 points in like 10 rebounds and 8 assists pretty good stat line for a guy that's going to be 35 in December but that's it Last thing we will quickly touch on, college football. I got about a minute left. We will wrap this up nice in a bow package for you. College football, some big games this weekend. We had Wisconsin, who was upset last weekend, now 13th in the country, taking on number three, Ohio State. Still should be a good game. Still give the edge to Ohio State. SMU is undefeated still. They won last night, 34-31 against Houston to go to 8-0. First time since like 1982 they've done that. You have Auburn, LSU, number nine versus number two. Give me LSU. Joe Burrows. He's Joey football. Guys having a phenomenal year. That air raid offense is doing wonders for LSU. Then you got Notre Dame, Michigan, eight versus 19. Give me Notre Dame. Harbaugh at the end of the year. Might be trying to figure out where he's going to be coaching next because it might not be Michigan. But besides that, that is college football. I'm not going to give you stories like Jalen Hurts. Still phenomenal. But one thing I will say about it is Nick Saban yesterday on radio came out and basically said, we made Jalen Hurts what he is. It's us. It was all us, our coaches, our guys, everything like that. He got better because of us. Nothing about Lincoln Riley. So it just makes you laugh. Nick Saban, it's not all about you. So that's it, though, for this week. Everybody, hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, review, listen to 12 on Sports Radio, listen to us on Spotify, check us out on Twitter at SportsTance underscore and Instagram and Facebook and all that good stuff. Go out, have a good weekend, have a few drinks, do whatever you want to do to relax and just hang out. But also watch some sports because come on, what are you doing listening to this if you're not watching sports? Again though, my name is Greg. This has been my stance on sports. Have a good one.
The Sports, the sports Dance. dance.